0: Hey, it's Chris Nichols. Thank you guys for listening to the Petapixel podcast. Catch our new episodes every week on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: favorite podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Petapixel podcast. This week, we're changing it to the Murphy's Law podcast because everything has gone wrong. We'll rattle off some of those reasons why we might seem, you know, slightly different, a little more under the gun than usual. But we got some cool stuff to talk about. We just got back from a trip in Idaho. Jaron was there as well. We can talk about our shooting experience. We're seeing some brand new lenses, the type of which we've never seen before from their respective manufacturers. And we are going to do our best to get caught up on tech support. Don't read the comments. We got a lot, so let's get started, everybody. As always, this week's podcast is brought to you by OM System. With the hot temperatures of summer behind us, there's no better season for outdoor photography than autumn. We were just out in the fall colors shooting with an OM-1, so this is very timely. Crisp morning air, golden light all set the stage to capture portfolio-worthy images. The OM System OM-5 is the ultimate companion for the outdoor enthusiast. Built to endure your adventures, this is a mid-range mirrorless camera that's a rugged marvel with its weather-sealed body to safeguard against dust, water, and extreme temperatures, ensuring unmatched durability. The OM5 offers advanced technology to deliver stunning image quality and exceptional performance in any condition. From breathtaking landscapes to action-packed moments, the OM5 empowers you to embrace your adventurous spirit while preserving the memories of your journey. Learn more about the OM5 and the highly respected weco lens series by visiting explore.omsystem.com slash petapixel. Thanks so much to nice. OM for sponsoring this episode.
0: Uh, yeah, so as you ahead. mentioned, we were just in Idaho, and we chased all those autumn colors down, and it was beautiful. The colors were fantastic. I Alberta, felt like they the were gun. changing while
2: we were there. They kept Pretty getting much. brighter. Yeah.
1: And we kept moving north and and south the whole week. So it's like, oh, colors are different here than over over here. We're moving through different climates all week long. So yes, we were definitely chasing and occasionally caught those colors. And And as Jordan mentioned, we took the OM-1 in this particular case, but I mean, you know, they're sealed
0: in a very similar manner. Uh, And we went uh, up in ATVs, in Polaris razors, and we got the cameras covered in fine particulate, which is actually worse than, you know, like rain and stuff in a lot of cases. And as Jordan also stated, uh, the rugged builds safeguarded the uh, camera (laughs) against that dust. So uh, OM system does a great job
2: of uh, safeguarding your memories. Oh man, can't get let, you can't let him get away with anything, can you, Chris? Uh, no, I mean it's no it's really. a
1: shame this is the first time I've ever misspoke and it was
2: on podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely hold uh, my feet to the fire for that. So a couple things: we don't have any news stories we're going to talk about this week. We're going to focus our attention on uh, well, I guess they are technically news the the two new news. lenses that came out like late last night. Uh, so, uh, but what I do want to mention is if you're watching us on YouTube, you are very likely seeing that I have a different microphone than I typically do. Uh, Jordan's doesn't look different from this angle, but it is I mean, different. It's got a it pop, 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 pop guard, which I usually yeah. it does. Chris, uh, Chris is using the same one, but he has COVID, so he's not yes. going to necessarily sound the same as he usually does. So um, you, you can kind of judge through three mics, but I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to start talking like this for the rest of the podcast,
0: because first off, it's incredibly sexy. And second off, it's way more comfortable to speak like this
2: than uh, in my regular voice right now. So uh, away we go. Ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, though, anyone who's listening, um, compare how we sound, and we want to we know what you think. So I'm using a new Shure microphone. Uh, that i'm actively reviewing right now and jordan is using one of sony's new microphones that were announced a week and a half or so ago uh, and we're just curious what you think they uh, how they yeah. do if you if you like them if you don't like them um your input is just as valuable as us sitting here listening to our own voices so please let us know and i'm the using
0: our classic but- sennheiser profile with a ten dollar amazon covid infused <laughs> pop guard so uh, <laughs> let us know how that sounds if it's any different
1: well, and we should point out what's kind of cool about them. So, Jaron, you're using a new Shure mic that's based on the SM7B, which is like the f- most famous podcasting mic. I mean, every like high-end podcaster yeah. seems to be using it. But what's cool about the new one?
2: Uh, it has a built-in preamp. So, I don't have to have anything special going on here. And it should theoretically work with any computer as well. Um, but the you, if anyone who knows audio would be like, well, you can't just plug that into a computer. It's XLR. You're right, but this little doohickey right here uh, sure actually announced this maybe a month ago, and it you connect XLR into it and it goes straight into USB and then straight into my computer, uh, so I don't have to do anything differently than I usually do. Uh, my road is a, uh, NT, not, not yeah, it's NT USB. I think it's what's called. Uh, I've been using that one yep. for years. Uh, I'm happy to use this though because it feels significantly more robust. Even if it doesn't sound that different to you guys, I don't know. It sounds great to me, it but me I don't want to skew
1: so the so results. So. I'm skewing the results already. <laughs> this is yeah, terrible. You, you uh, sound great.
2: I need
0: that too because you know uh, the voice. The voice going up and down all the time, low and high. It'd be nice to have that preamp to sort of level things out a little bit more. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I should like this. I should mention uh, I'm using the ECM S1, uh, Sony's new microphone, uh, which we can just plug it into USB like I'm doing right now. But what's really cool with this is it's also a wireless mic that's compatible with Sony's Hot Shoes. So if you want to, those cameras have the ability to just plug them in and use them as a webcam. You could also just pick up this microphone throw it on your desk or a light stand, and it'll go straight into the camera. So you're not going to have any latency issues when you're doing that, which is something we do occasionally fight with on this show. Uh, So that's pretty sweet. I'm not using a Sony right now. I should have run it over to Chris, who's filming with a Sony microphone, but I don't want to be around him right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I also just fired up uh, Shure's software. I didn't have it going at the beginning of this. So now this should theoretically compress my audio by itself and also limit me so that I don't peak at any point. Oh, I thought it was going to deep fake you into
0: a celebrity voice or
2: something. I wish. Al- alas. All right. All right. That's enough of that. Let's talk about some new lenses, the likes of which we've never seen before. I mean, you've well, seen one of before. them in person. <laughs> okay. Well, I meant... I meant. <laughs> Let's we, be clear. As in like the world of cameras has never seen these exact lenses ever made before. Let's talk the first one because... Chris will have the most to say about it. Let's talk Nikon. Nikon has announced a 600 millimeter F 6.3 VRS super telephoto prime lens. And even though we didn't get a chance to make a video about it, Chris did set his hot little hands on it when we were in uh, Monterey a few weeks ago. Yes. And it was a secret then, but now it's not a secret. And so I think the key thing
0: here to remember, uh, this uses PF optics, which stands for phase Fresnel, or as some people like to say, fuzzy Fresnel. Only one uh, person. Okay. (laughs) Not me though. But uh, so the key thing here is this. I mean, Nikon make a 180 to 600 that has a 6.3 aperture at the 600 range. It's a nice zoom. It's very well stabilized, very well built, but it's Quite large, and so the thing that I first noticed off the bat here is very lightweight. Uh, I mean, three pounds—like you know, not quite a knocked and a half, but it's 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 very lightweight. Three so, plena, yeah. Three. Uh, is it it's three? One thousand. A plena. Nine on One point yeah. four plena. Thank 1. you. And so, <laughs> what I noticed from it again—it's it was an early model. We can't really make any um, real judgments. We're going to review it, baby. But it's sharp that, that I could tell color looks nice it was very easy to handhold and very well stabilized i think you get six stops you do uh, with the appropriate body when it's equipped all together yep. so it's it's very
2: very uh very very nice very smooth it's compatible with a 1.4x and a 2x telephoto which can That's turn it point, into an 800 and a 1200 millimeter respectively i mean you're gonna lose a lot of light going to 2x but i mean if yeah. you're shooting broad daylight birds it uh, doesn't really matter that much
1: well, I think what's cool is we had a you know maximum aperture where the autofocus would still work on DSLRs. So I really like that a lot of the mirrorless companies now are embracing like, hey, as long as we've got enough light, our autofocus still works at incredibly small apertures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's give you the option to use teleconverters if that's a compromise that you're willing to make. I think it's really, really smart. And again, I just have to like shout out Nikon. I love this trend for compact telephotos. I think it's yeah. awesome. And it keeps the price down a little bit,
0: too, for people who want to get into it. I mean, 6.3 is not fast. I mean, make no mistake about it. But it's affordable. It's lightweight. The stepping motor keeps the cost down. But I still found it to be quite snappy. I don't think that's an issue. And I think there's a big market for people that just want less bulk to carry. And we can crank the ISO on cameras now and really get away with it. So, uh, yeah,
2: I liked it a lot. I I'm mean with it price. I don't know that we knew the price when you held you held it, so no, I, we we assumed it was eight million dollars. Che- <laughs> no, we assumed it was going to oh. be cheaper than the um the the faster uh, Zoom lenses, uh, and I think it is. Uh, I don't remember how much those cost, but this will be available late this month for forty seven ninety nine ninety five US. Yeah, not bad for a six hundred mil that's sharp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has four FN two buttons. And one FN button that can be customized and assigned to a variety of functions too. So, like, I mean, they Nikon has been really going hard at the the long range lenses uh, in yeah. the Z series for some time now, and I'm I'm happy to see it. You can tell who they want as their uh, user, and I'm sure those users are very pleased that they keep getting more lens support.
3: Yeah, yeah we actually. Uh, uh, we actually Jordan. put
1: the um <laughs> the uh on our recent best things about every camera company for Nikon, we said telephoto is their yeah. best aspect right now, I would say. And then yeah, they're just embellishing it even more with this. It's awesome.
3: Yeah.
0: It's interesting that Nikon's jumping on this whole Faze Fresnelle kind of thing, right? I mean, I thought Canon was gonna really kind of fly with that and they sort of let it go. And uh the face Fresnel for Nikon, it's it's actually done very well for them. I mean, it's uh we really like their other lenses that use it that are quite a
2: bit lighter weight and more compact. Who doesn't want more compact? Certainly, certainly not me, I guess. Um, all right. So at the complete other end of the spectrum is a very wide zoom from Canon. Yes. They have, we have not
0: got our mitts on this yet.
2: No, uh, we have not seen this lens in person. I've seen pictures of this lens. It is a compact RF 10 to 20 millimeter F4L IS STM for full frame cameras. 10 to 20 millimeter f4 for full frame has not ever existed.
0: Never, no, no. Now, I made the same not a mistake, but I mean, I think a lot of people out there will be like, Well, wait, what about the similar L series lens that was released for SLRs? But that was an 11 to uh, 24 f4 L series, and uh. This is giving us a couple benefits. First off, it's wider, and even at even though it's one millimeter, we're talking this extreme wide angle that is significant, right? I mean, yeah, it's hundred thirty degrees versus and a hundred
2: and twenty-two degrees. Yeah, uh, that's better to frame of reference as opposed to the one millimeter doesn't sound like much, but when you're this no. wide, it is significant. Sorry to interrupt you, Chris. You may continue. That's okay. That's okay. But also. um, just the fact that because it's a
0: mirrorless design as opposed to an SLR design, the lens can be optimized a little bit better. It's going to be a little bit more compact. I mean, these are all benefits with that mirrorless kind of a frame, having the flange closer to the body. So I'm excited to play with it. I think it's going to be interesting.
1: I would like to make a recommendation for everyone who's bringing out unbelievable new formulas for full frame lenses. Could you please stop using ones that are very common focal lengths for APS-C cameras? Because several times this week, uh, we've been looking at the upcoming, uh, we're going to do a review on the Tamron 17-50, to which is... Sounds very exciting, and I keep mentioning it and then thinking it's just an APS-C standard zoom lens, and it's not. It's super wide. Same with this 10 to 20. I'm like, oh, great, just another crop sensor ultra wide lens no it's super compelling because it's full frame so just make like a 10 to 19 and like a 17 to 47 so at least i remember this is a totally separate thing from all those APS-C zooms i don't think that's gonna work we're running out of millimeter focal lengths i mean okay it's just it's only for my own sanity it serves no practical purpose besides that i mean maybe i'll just learn that's Actually, probably the best solution
2: i misspoke and before anyone calls me out in the comments i'm going to correct myself i said it was 130 versus 122 it's 130 versus 126 right. um, so it's not that significant but it is if you compare it to what's available in sony the 12 to 24 f 2.8 gm it's wider than that by a notable amount and then on the nikon and the 14 to 24 f 2.8 it is wider than that as well by i mean if you're yes. going from 14 wide to 10 wide that's Well corrected, Jaren. I was about to get a pitchfork and come out. (laughs) I am curious to see how, if there's distortion and if it's bad. But given that they gave it the L, I think it'll be great. I think it's probably going to be pretty good. It's It's the same same as every
1: mirrorless lens, it's going to be digitally corrected. So you're not going to see it. You know, that's Mm, the common theme. And that's how they're able to make formulas like this. You know, they're like, it's compact and insanely wide. The only way to do that is digital distortion correction.
0: Nice to see image stabilization put into this lens as well, too. I mean, I like that. You know, not that, that they don't in the past, but it's a nice choice to have that extra stability. You might think, oh, for a wide angle, what do I need it for? But again, it's about having that ability to hand hold. But I'm also interested to see how this will play out uh, in video applications. And I know I'm not Jordan, and I realize I'm very heavily medicated, but I am still actually quite interested in how this lens will perform for video, for moving
2: pictures. <laughs> uh okay Um, i'm very medicated yeah it's okay that's why we're gonna we're gonna keep this uh this train moving along uh hopefully and by hopefully i mean certainly we will see a chris and jordan review of both of these lenses at some point in the future i can i can feel my hair (laughs) like the hair has feeling right now extremely heavily medicated and, okay. Uh, okay so on, on with that with that in mind let's uh let's i think recap... it's orange behind me i'm not sure <laughs> let's recap what's <laughs> uh what have we been up to this week just to go, go over wh- why chris and how chris got sick and i'm actually well, i not... don't know how and i don't know why probably because i'm a bad person
0: and karma <laughs> has caught up with me but <clears throat> um we weren't we were in idaho which is lovely We've, we've got a project. It's very exciting. You're going to have to wait a little bit. I'm going to bring the timbre down so I don't cough. It's very exciting. You're going to have to wait a couple months to see it, but it's going to be worthwhile.
2: So we actually got a comment. One, but I read About every Idaho? comment, even though I'm not supposed to. Oh. Never read them because they just like eat at you. But I, I saw one comment that was like, I'm tired of Chris and Jordan only doing gear focused videos. Why don't they just do something about photography? And I'm sitting there like we've tried. But this is one where we actually are doing that, where you guys just go and enjoy being photographers in a new space. That's the basic theme of this episode that will come out probably in January is what I'm thinking. Um, now, we also did, of course, the, the space dock with Blair Bunting, which is an yeah. awesome project in that same vein, right? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. talk about the application of the art form that we all know and love versus the actual tech behind it. Um, but yeah, we I I mean, Idaho is quite close to where we live in Alberta. I've only ever driven through the very bottom south end in passing, never actually stopping. And so to go travel there, I have to say, I think it's actually more beautiful than Alberta. And I know that's terrible. There's lots of beautiful things about here, but I thought I mean, it was breathtaking well
1: so much for our travel alberta contract that i was really (laughs) angling for
0: well there yeah shoot (laughs) hawaii then hawaii next Uh, slightly prettier than idaho will be the
2: new
1: (laughs) (laughs) slogan for travel that's our
2: new benchmark you know growing up in california i really did get kind of spoiled with how landscapes and climates can look because in california you can be on the beach surfing and then skiing that that evening if you want to like it's the the you're very compacted. And then all the way there, there's these, there's prairies and mountains, the, the, everything just topography is so different. Driving through Idaho, a place that I also had never spent any time in it. Uh, really, there were areas of it that were staggeringly beautiful. You yes. Sit there and be like, man, this is
0: incredible. And not, not just the topography, but the light yeah. was gorgeous. Like all the time, almost. And, and, we had patches of fog just like coming out of nowhere. Like, this is stuff that you would use a machine to make for your photograph. And it's just <laughs> happening. And we we're seeing amazing fall colors. And actually, the the look of the state
2: changes dramatically, even after a fairly short drive, although we did do a lot of driving. A ton of it. Hours All and hours. hours. But on those drives, when we were on a very strict schedule, Jordan can back me up here. Chris was Literally pawing at the windows, like yes. his hands were hitting it, trying to get out because he he really wanted to be in the water many many times. Uh, now uh, we
1: should, based on our previous conversation, not in the water to splash and enjoy himself and swim and enjoy that no wet feeling know. upon him. No, no, no. He wanted to fish and every uh, fortunate, yeah. And we did not get really any time for him to
3: no. It's, uh, it's just, just about solo. the most
0: yeah it's just about the most perfect place on planet earth to fish i mean every patch of water even like the tiniest drainage ditch there had fish in it <laughs> right was, like i think we were standing next to a drain
2: like a small like small little creek ditch ditch ish thing and chris is like there's like there's a fish right there but on yeah, fish right there they
1: were like on their little fins like up waving at us as we drove by <laughs>
2: yeah they were
0: talking to like catch me if you can
1: and they. but you away. can't there's... i know that you're on a tight schedule <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they it's would all would for show you don't have them. a fly on you're just doing it for the show <laughs> yeah i was i was to say the least a little bit upset and and it's just because like it's not that i, I don't understand the context of what we're trying to do but you're talking about these experiences i mean these are world famous rivers like the Clearwater, the, the payette salmon. you know the clark river the salmon river birch creek like these are creeks and rivers that are world famous in the fly fishing community there are rods and reels and bags and jackets named after these rivers and we're just driving past them, and gorgeous, like creeks and canyons and uh, big, deep green pools. And I mean, it's and there's salmon there and steelhead. We don't get that here in Alberta. So yeah. you see, I'm, you can, uh, even
2: though he's he's medicated and sick, you can hear it in his voice. You can almost hear his fingers against the glass. Yeah, I at
0: scratched it. the glass and I I cried a bit, and I'll never forgive any of you. <laughs> Ever,
1: <laughs> perfect. I mean, okay, I I, I have you. to say, like. Chris, I'm shocked that you made it through this trip because you totally like busted at getting all of these like hundreds of photos and stuff like that. And I actually got to look through some of them for an episode that will be live by the time you yes. uh, listen to this, uh, our iPhone versus Z8, which we shot out in Idaho. And there are some samples from the trip in that. So you should totally yeah. check them out and get a little sneak preview of that uh, Idaho video that we'll have coming up a little bit later. Um, But but yeah, yeah, good job. The only consequence is, of course, your body is now susceptible to sickness, which you are now riddled with. It was very
0: stressful, you know. I kind of made it like, look. There's so much more to Idaho than just fishing. I mean, the skiing is amazing. Uh, the people are very cool. We did some cool projects. I think people are really excited to watch it because we did some really crazy stuff and a lot of stuff. And the food was amazing. But it's like it'd be like I think we're generally we were talking about this, right? It's like going to Hawaii, and you're <laughs> like, okay,
1: <laughs> we're gonna look at coconuts. perfect, it really perfect was. allegory. To, yeah, yeah, it's
0: like we're gonna go to Hawaii. We're going to look at coconuts. We're going to look at rainforests. We're going to look at volcanoes. We're going to ride bikes around that. We're going to meet a bunch of cool people. But the beach there, do you see the beach there? We're, just look at it. We're not going to go to it. We're not going to go swim in it. And uh, I think for you, is like, here's Pokeballs. Look at them through the window.
2: Okay, now we're going to go. Let's go. <laughs> the other' so we'll get McDonald's like, breakfast. Bring it up to your mouth. But don't eat it. Put it back in the bowl. Yep
1: yeah we'll film you about to eat it it's gonna look like something's gonna happen there but then spit it don't even spit it it doesn't get to touch your mouth just like I got in waiters dump coffee grounds on
0: it let's go I I got in waiters I got my rod out I'm casting for the thing but I'm not catching it's like yeah it's like okay you can lick the tuna smell (laughs) it stick your finger in it okay now put the ahi tuna poke bowl back on the the shelf let's go I'm so sorry. I've, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm forgiving. I'm forgiving the whole state of Idaho here eventually,
1: but oh, not man. us.
2: Not us. No, yeah. God, no, no, <laughs> no, never. Um, before never. we move on to address these this litany of comments that we need to get through, Chris, uh, there's something sitting on your desk. Please describe mm. what that is. So this
0: is lovely. So for my birthday present, I got two things. I got COVID, <laughs> and I got huckleberry jam jaron was really nice uh we went to see the the Pooh people in the Nez Perce reserve and uh jaron got me this huckleberry jam it's he's never nice had huckleberry
2: there. before which is no and i didn't realize it's such a big thing in idaho and montana so and and was washington actually and oregon so up here in the the pnw it's kind of a funny to me that you're you're not that much farther north but you do not have huckleberries um nope, they are... we get
0: saskatoons we don't they're, get huckleberries.
2: They're little, little berries that are smaller than a blueberry and they're kind of uh, pear shaped ish. They're not fully round, uh, I guess is the best way to describe them. And they only grow wild. Uh, you can grow them uh, domestically, but they don't turn out quite right. Kind of like morel mushrooms. You can do it, but they're just not mm. the same. Um, so huckleberry is huge here. Love it. Uh, if you ever have Tillamook, um, ice cream they do like a like a, like a oh that i think they'll yes. do a huckleberry one on occasion oh, um, but yes. local ice cream play, p- places get it too and uh it is a unique berry so i'm excited i can't to wait to, to get all that. the stickies in my beard yeah i'm excited
1: i was I, gonna say we should do a taste test live on the pod but i don't know how your taste is functioning chris so maybe we should bank that for a couple of weeks from now put it on toast like or medicine. something
2: mid pod <laughs> <laughs> okay Let's get to the questions. We'll do tech support first of these. We have a couple that came via email and a couple that are on SpeakPipe. We will start with email. The first one is from Wolfgang, and this one is Wolfgang. uh, I'll read it to you, and it's a pixel binning question. I am afraid this is a question rather than a. Oh, sorry. You know, he 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 submitted this through our tip line, so I think this is a question, not a tip. Pixel binning is used by a few camera manufacturers only. At the same time, there's a growing tendency to increase the pixel count on image sensors resulting in a higher image resolution. Higher resolution image sensors mean the pixel pitch is very small, high pixel density, and the traditional perception is this may result in weaker low light performance of the image sensor. I understand that pixel binning is seen as a means to optimize image quality in situations where low light performance may be more important than a high resolution showing all the details in a particular image which might otherwise be affected by increased noise. If this is the holy grail for counterbalancing different objectives and needs required in different situations, then why is it not not used systematically by all camera manufacturers for new cameras? Has the technology not evolved sufficiently to include this as a routine in high-resolution image sensors? Is it too expensive? Or does the technology have any drawbacks? Looking forward to hearing your response.
0: Yeah. Jordan, I'm going to let you talk uh, because I'm
2: super gracious that way.
0: But I think it's important that we understand that we look at this and approach it from both a stills and a
1: video standpoint separately, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because we do have examples out there. Uh, This is something that smartphones are pretty much all doing at this point is using uh, quad bear sensors, at least on their main cameras right now. So you've got the option uh, of resolution or improving your low light performance by binning Mm -hmm. all of those pixels together. We have actually seen this in larger sensors. Like there is a full frame Sony chip that they're using in the FX3, A7S3, FX6, Um, That is, people have taken a look at it. It's a 48 megapixel quad Bayer sensor, but there's no way for you to access the 48 megapixel resolution of that. Uh, And the reason I think that they've done that, first of all, it is actually, considering how low resolution it is, it's quite sharp. I mean, it's certainly cameras that shoot oversampled video are going to do a little bit better job than that. Um, but I think the main reason they did it is readout speed. You can just read it out very, very quick. That's why we've got a full-frame chip that's able to you know, shoot 4K 120p with a very small crop, have minimal rolling shutter in it. Um, photographically, we haven't seen it. I believe you actually answered it in your uh, email there. It's just, I believe, very expensive at this point. And I don't think that there's a lot of fabrication for quad bay or larger sensors. But this could certainly be an option down the road. The big takeaway I had... um, we talked about this quite a bit back when we were at uh, DP review with some of the team is just that the differences are much more pronounced on very small sensors, like smartphones than what you see once you start moving yeah. up, you know, the, the circuitry and everything there isn't degrading your image quality as much as when you've got a very bitty sensor but i suspect we'll see this in the future it's much like when we started to see bsi sensors in smartphones and compact cameras that led to a big image quality bump we didn't really see a huge image quality bump just faster readout when that was brought to larger sensors i suspect we'll see something similar here i think it's also important to talk about just as a side note
0: there is a very oversimplified concept that oh if you have more megapixels that means smaller pixel pitch and More more noise, more signal noise, Rachel, less light getting into your little micro lenses, yada. yada. And and that is true, but it's not that simple. I mean, one thing to keep in mind as well is even though sensors have gone higher resolution, that doesn't necessarily mean that the perceived look of noise is going to be more, more extreme and worse than, say, lower megapixel sensors. Because having an extra resolution also means that at a regular viewing size or print size, each of your individual pixels are smaller. So even though you have higher resolution, you also have more megapixels and therefore the little dots are smaller and therefore the noise is actually less perceptible. So it's it's not as simple as just to say, oh, like a 60 megapixel sensor is going to be all about high resolution shooting. It's going to look great in bright light, but terrible in low light. Honestly, in most output situations, that's not the case.
1: Yeah, we we did a video uh, busting that myth a little while back. And it's all because Lightroom, all your editing software, gives you the option to view everything at 100%. If you have a high-resolution camera zooming into 100%, you're zooming in on that image way, way more. But if you look at them on the same viewing size, you will definitely see that. And, I mean, when we did that test, we shot images at 6,400. If you go to astronomically high, ISO levels, then you will definitely see it. Uh, My wife did a test with the uh, Nikon D6 and a uh, Z9, so 45 megapixels versus 20 megapixels. And yes, once you got past like 25,600, certainly the lower resolution sensor was less noisy. But how often are you actually doing that? I think a lot of people think you'll get way better low light performance at like 1600 to 6400 ISO. You really won't for the most part.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Yeah, that's why we we saved that one because I knew you guys wanted to think about it a bit more. So, okay, but it wasn't a tip or a pitch, Wolfgang. It was not a tip or a pitch. It was a question. Uh, sorry, I'm just mad about the fishing. Still, it's not. You haven't done anything to me. I apologize, Wolfgang. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the next one is also an email. This one is from Anthony Kronhelm. I'm frustrated that no camera manufacturer has really bothered to make cameras more easily operated in cold weather when wearing gloves. I would like to see the joystick and other dials on the camera mode slightly bigger uh, than most manufacturers are doing right now. Too many times I've, I've had to take my gloves off so I could operate the camera only for my fingers, but froze and shortened my photo shoot camera manufacturer putting photographers at risk for getting frostbite. He's saying he wants something that could work, not only the camera can operate, but as can you can operate in negative twenty five degrees Celsius or more? Why do you think no manufacturer does this?
0: Because Japan is predominantly a warm country, and everybody there has small hands. That's my guess.
2: <laughs> Good guess. I, I think probably wrong. I
0: think, wrong. That's,
1: a, I think that's a big wrong. part okay. of the the whole mirrorless perce- You know, when there's a really big camera, there's a backlash against it. Like remember the Leica SL? I mean, we were even guilty for this, uh, compared oh, yeah. to something you could use as a doorstop uh, when it first came out. <laughs> Um, you know, that the Panasonic that was one of my uh, best
0: projects ever.
1: The big uh, S1, S1R, S1H. Uh, same thing. You know, there was definitely a like, why are these things so big? But I want to say those are some of my favorite cameras to use in very cold environments. Like the S1H, I still think is the best yeah. handling mirrorless body when it's very cold out. Um and then, if you ever get a chance, there's the Pentec 645Z. Oh, I love uh, that camera. <laughs> it feels incredible in your hand and was built to be used with gloves. They're like, make it I'm, as big sorry, guys, as possible.
0: I got to I'm going to test one of the features on the Sennheiser profile. That's the mute button. Hopefully, it works.
2: <coughs> it does work. not. No. It does not work. <laughs> Good try though. Um, my actual, I think the actual answer to this, and it's not just that they there don't want go. to, they don't want to make them big. It's that the people that require what you have just asked is the smallest bit of already the smallest group <laughs> of people purchasing cameras. Yeah, they don't make. I mean, cameras I think the thing here too, like everyone.
0: Look at the Nikon Z9. I mean, that's a quite large camera, the R3. I mean, maybe not the R3 because it's still very compact, which is why I love it. But there are cameras that have the larger grips and the larger button space and, frankly, more real estate. But at the same time, mirrorless, I mean, remember, one of the Sony's five fundamentals is compactness, right? So No, it's just compact. Just compact. Compact. Sorry. compactness would be more useful. Okay. Compact. But that's even more universal, right? Yeah. So... Trying to make mirrorless cameras smaller in most situations. I get it, though. I mean, we live in a beautiful country, which is a frozen hellscape for six but months m- of the year, but not quite as beautiful as Idaho. As Correct? No, as, not as, quite early as early established. As Idaho. Yeah, yeah, but close, but not quite. But you know, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, we, that's why we, we use alternatives like, um, oh, our, my, the G Tech hand warmers, right? Stuff like that, or uh, some some of the photographers that do wildlife out here in the winter time, they'll use warming gloves with electric heaters but you still have to take it off to actually operate the camera and then you got your your fingers back warm there are legit many times where we're shooting our youtube show in winter and my fingers don't work very well anymore and i lose a lot of dexterity and it's it is a challenge i can sympathize uh also larger batteries with bigger batteries tend to last better in the winter whereas a lot of the compact mirrorless you also have problems with batteries getting cold faster move to hawaii i think but don't touch that ahi tuna poke bowl
2: don't do th- it <laughs> yeah only look at it i think that there are some things you can buy to that are like you stick them onto your camera to increase the size of the buttons or the or their tactile dexterity or whatever they're AF not joystick
1: super... specifically yeah I see that. i remember
2: yep. there was one for the shutter i had used before i don't know if it's still available and i never really liked it um but It would have been great if I was wearing gloves. I don't like it on bare skin. So, like, you can probably get stuff uh, that makes this easier, but you bring up a solid point. Unfortunately, there's there's just not enough of you to warrant manufacturing a camera with all these things at the cost of making it larger and therefore angering a larger group of people who would then therefore not buy it.
0: I recommend taking up ice fishing.
2: For the winter months, I think the uh,
1: and don't forget you can now get a bang and deal on a six four five Z, the best handling camera ever made, Uh, and it's very big and it'll feel great with gloves. Can you? I'm going to try
0: something. Maybe this winter we should try what like um, the swimmers do when they swim the English Channel. I'm going to cover my hands and camera in petroleum jelly and use it that way, and we'll see if that makes it warmer.
2: You can. I don't see
0: any any downsides. With this approach.
2: The 645G G is, can still be purchased brand new for $7,000. <laughs> but I that's bet not... KEH has a great deal. Probably. You could probably get amused for less. So that was yeah. great. that's that's great. Uh, okay. Next one is a speak pipe question. We're going to listen to Quang Yong. Hey, guys. It's Quang calling from Oakville, Ontario, Canada. I love the show. I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about all the factors that you consider when looking at changing... Camera systems. I've been a Nikon DSLR shooter for the last 14 years and I'm thinking about making the transition to mirrorless. Certainly, with the release of the Nikon ZF, I've been really interested in doing that, but I've also been really interested in
1: some of the third party lens options available to Fujifilm and
0: Sony. So, I'd love to hear about all the different considerations you guys put in
1: to when you're thinking about different camera systems and maybe starting anew. Thanks a lot.
0: First off, I'm sorry we left it so long. We've seen this speak pipe for a long time. I'm happy that we're finally addressing it. Uh, If I was going to put in my two cents, one of the first things I look at right away before uh, brand is just what kind of lens mount I want as far as what sensor size. You know, APS-C, full frame maybe even larger than full frame, maybe micro four thirds. I like to consider that because it gives me some idea of, of what my goals are, what kind of photography I want to do, pick a sensor size that suits that and then choose a brand within that sensor size.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. One great thing because you've been using a DSLR uh, that I really like is check the metadata of your images and find out where you're shooting, like which focal lengths, which apertures, um, and make sure that there's really good options for you there um, in whichever mount you're potentially looking at. Or just go to Sony because you can find basically anything that you could ever want in that mount. Um, but I find that really useful and a lot of stuff that maybe I hadn't even noticed. That's how I discovered that I really like shooting at 135 and 24 millimeter focal lengths uh, was just based on checking that out. Uh, so I would definitely take a look at it. But yeah, I sure. agree with Chris 100%. Like first priority is lenses. Um, the second one we always also talked about a little bit last week is... I would get your hands on them and see what you enjoy using. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's very difficult because like we said, camera stores are more of a rarity right now. But I would say that is the second most important thing because there are cameras in wonderful systems that I just don't love using and other people do really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that you actually get your hands on it and don't just base it on you know, online reviews, even though you should keep watching our online reviews, which are <laughs> informative and entertaining.
0: You know, I got a hot take here and I'm I'm probably going to catch some flack. But the fact that you are coming from an SLR brand already, I I, as much as the manufacturers probably will now censor me for, for saying this, I really don't consider too much about staying brand loyal when switching from an SLR to a mirrorless. There is an advantage with using your old lenses. And some people obviously will. I'm not saying that's a bad idea. There are great adapters. I mean, Nikon make the FTZs. They're great. But I feel like... It's worth doing a completely fresh start. And of course, it looks like Kwong is actually thinking about this, right? Because he's thinking, okay, maybe Fujifilm, maybe Sony. Um, he certainly seems to be geared towards a kind of a vintage aesthetic. I mean, he's mentioned the ZF, the Fujifilm. You know, those are nice options too. Sony, I think, is a great tool. It's a workman's tool. It can do anything. So uh, yeah, consider what kind of photography you're, you're wanting to do specifically. If it was more rugged wildlife stuff, then I think micro four thirds has a lot of basis. We have to know if you're going to be more of a hybrid shooter, you want to do video instills, or are you going to do a lot of low light, or you can do a lot of portraiture flash work that will give you also a better idea of what kind of readout speeds you might need for your sensors and who makes those and what's available. You might be just saying, I only want to shoot in minus 30 degree temperatures. And then clearly Jordan wants you to get a Pentax six or five Z. so, yeah, let us know. You can always give us another comment. This is what you like to do. And then we'd be happy to try to elaborate on that.
3: Okay. Let's uh, move on to Alistair. Hi, guys. Uh, Alistair from England here. I was uh, recently hiking in uh, Switzerland and taking photos of the beautiful mountains there. And it was only when I got home and was uh, sort of looking at them in Lightroom and then, you know, pairing them down, putting them into a, a sort of final album for a potentially a photo book. It was when I was setting a desktop uh, wallpaper that I realised that there was just this random photo of the lot that was my favourite one that I can't even really remember taking. Um, it reminded me of when I was watching your iPhone video of you know the greatest photo that Chris has ever taken. Um, I just wondered if you have more. Uh, instances like that of just you know you take a whole bunch of photos and actually the best one your favorite one you know down the line turns out to be this random one that you know you just you never thought of in the moment um yeah just uh love to get your thoughts on that and sort of your stories of just random awesome photos thanks bye so just to give some context, first thing I want to say, I'm sure Switzerland
0: has beautiful mountains, but they're not as beautiful as Idaho's. <laughs> Second thing I want to say, <clears throat> this, just to give context, the greatest photo ever taken by Chris, according to Jordan, I was shooting this like very cool restaurant hallway and a nice lady photo bombed it and I caught it and Jordan loves that photo. So th- there's the context. I, I don't think it's the greatest photo I've ever taken, but um there's lots of moments like that, absolutely, where I'm going through all my shots at the end of the day or you know, clearing up my memory card and having a look, and there are always tons of moments where you, you see a shot and you're like, oh, that's the one that I really want. That's the keeper. That was great. There, there was an interesting quote that I always heard from Gary Winogrand, who's a famous street photographer back in the day. Not really a quote, but more, more an, um, an anecdote about how he shot. He would shoot a whole bunch of stuff, and then he would just put it away and he wouldn't touch it for months, weeks, months before he developed it and looked at it again. And that's because he would say that while you're out shooting, I'm sure we all have this experience, you're caught up in the moment. Idaho's really pretty. The colors are great. I'm not sick yet. I'm having a great time. I'm not mad about fishing yet. And so that can actually kind of like color the way you're going to feel about those shots. And he wanted to put photos away, come back to them later and say, look, I want to look at this with fresh eyes where I'm not, sorry, where I'm not kind of tainted by the mood I was in or the
1: experience I just
0: had. And I think there's a lot to be said for that.
1: Yeah, another thing I think is really worth pointing out is because cameras have gotten so much better, a lot of shots that I would have just been like, oh, that's no good. I totally fudged the exposure on it or something like that. There's lots of examples of where I've been like, oh, but that's maybe the best expression in that particular one. And just, you know, it's underexposed, push the shadows or the color's totally off, just fix it because I have the raw files there. Uh, That has (laughs) happened to me tons of times, especially Mm. with kids where it's just like, I got the shot. My settings were all screwed up. I'm a bad photographer and a worse <laughs> parent, but wait, because of technology, I can recover those moments. So yeah, just, you know, yeah, never really worry about that. There was a great example. Um, I forget where I saw it of a wedding photographer where his strobes weren't firing um, and caught like a couple of amazing candidates of the couple by pushing the shadows, like seven stops. Cause he had a D850. Uh, right. things like that. You know uh, it's always worth just, Scrolling through those and things you might initially throw away, just see like, hey, with a little bit of finessing in post, can I save this? I do have to say I overshoot a
0: lot now, and I think that's actually from deep review days where I was very conscious about trying to get technically perfect photos. And I don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily think that's a nice way to think about photography. I really much rather enjoy just like shooting and seeing what happens. But you know, we were doing a lot of tests and samples, and I really want to make sure I got good focus, right shot settings, everything. So I've learned a habit now of overshooting a lot. And I find that I do that now. I machine gun a lot of pictures. And I I think that's actually a pretty good technique just for capturing and ensuring that you got something in that light that you like and that you have something sharp, even if you're shooting, like especially if you're shooting at really slow shutter speeds comparatively. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten to that habit. I don't regret it, but there's lots of options. Sorry, lots of situations where I will look at my photos and the shot that I really want is the one that's out of focus or is blurry or is soft. And that that hurts a lot.
2: You know, that I was going to mention that where I feel like I'm in the field and I've taken the perfect foot. I'm like, ah, oh, awesome. I'll look for that one later. And I go back and it is not in. And it's like, oh, that really sucks. But at the same time, the shot that I wasn't thinking about actually is great. And I mm. will use something like that. So that kind of ties into what you mentioned earlier, maybe taking a break. From photos and coming back so you're not you're not emotionally tied to this photo you think you yes. got you're separated from it i don't really have that opportunity as much as i would like to since you know when you're reviewing camera equipment it's basically shoot a it, plug it in upload it and that sort of thing but uh, i'm i'm hoping that you know as yeah. i try and get back into photography as a hobby again as it's been difficult for me um, but if you see us on the street and you want jordan to be happy just photo bomb my shots
0: Okay, And then Jordan's getting, he'll be like, that's the best shot. I think
1: that looks like the cover of a horror movie poster that they spent a long time staging to make it unsettling. And it just happened. (laughs) And it (laughs) delighted me when I was looking at all these pretty street photography. And then there's just this woman looking like she's a screaming zombie running into your frame. Loved it. She's very nice. Perfect And I don't
0: think she realizes that now she's immortalized. So... That's what happens. You, <laughs> when you
1: photobomb, be aware. It might be when you look scary and that picture might be taken
2: Jordan's and putting it might it be in. art. Uh, okay. That was it for tech support. We finally got through a bunch. Now we're going to move on. Are we caught up?
0: Not, cu- not caught up. Not cut right? up. No, I've still got more is in it, my email. Is this still like, it's like horse racing or like a greyhound racing where the rabbit goes around the track and we have to keep chasing the rabbit? Because if we catch it, the show's
2: done, right? Yeah. We're just pushing
1: we're- the comment boulder. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get, the, I, carrot,
2: I bumped my soft the carrot there. No more <laughs> All right. All right, so in never read the comments, we have one more speak pipe question. This is from Dave from Milwaukee.
3: Hi guys. Um, yeah, I'm a uh, have a question about OM system, your sponsor. Uh,
1: I'm a big fan of their pen line and uh, they don't have any of them available in the US, although they seem to have them in other places. I'm wondering if you know anything about whether not they plan on discontinuing or if there's just a lull or what's happening with that line anyway uh love the podcast
3: and our system bye
0: that's a great question dave for milwaukee i'm sure your state's also incredibly beautiful um i've been there recently do it the actually pen- is yeah they, they don't do the pen line uh here they do it in japan i know it's big there and lots of other parts of asia that's a great question because, you know, we've seen OM system now rehashing a lot of cameras. I mean, like the EM1, uh, sorry, EM5 Mark three, now being the OM5 with some updates. So it's feasible that we could see a pen. I hope it's like a brand new design that we've never seen before.
2: That may be why we haven't yet because they want to actually refurb the line. I remember, gosh, it's probably been five or six years now. I would actually recommend the pen to people because it was so compact and yet still so performant and pretty it, and pretty that it yes. just felt like something you can use to create something. A friend of mine who lives in New York, who's, you know, a camera snob who typically doesn't like anything other than full yeah. frame, loves his pen. And yeah. that's like where he makes his one exception is for his pen. And I am, yeah. you're right. I have, I had forgotten about this line. I'm, I, it's weird that now I'm thinking about, like, it is strange. We haven't gotten a new one. Well, I'm if, a big there's a point. There's
1: a huge opportunity there as well, because the Pan F is one of the most beautiful cameras ever made, I would say. Um, But it did have a limitation where it's beautiful, Chris. Gorgeous camera. Great camera. (laughs) Um, But it didn't actually focus quite as well, even though it was the same price as at that time, I believe it was the... EM5 original. Um, it was going back quite a ways. Uh, and it, that was always a real limitation for us. It's like you're paying the same price. This is a beautiful camera, yeah. but it doesn't perform quite as well. If you just, if at all possible, slapped the internals of an OM1 into a beautiful rangefinder style body, I think people would be really excited about it, especially mm-hmm. because like the um, Fujifilm X Pro series got weird when the three came out. So this could be a chance for a Less weird, more accessible yeah. rangefinder style body that I think a lot of people would be very excited by.
0: And we've talked about this on the podcast before, right? How Panasonic were like, hey, you guys need to bring back the GM series, right? Like there's a demand for small, sexy little cameras. I love Micro Four Thirds in particular, where you can have these tiny cameras with tiny lenses. I mean, as mm-hmm. much as, yeah, Fujifilm mm-hmm. X100V is great, it'd be great to have. I mean, I loved having a small pocket camera with interchangeable lenses, and Olympus made really cute little twelve mils and stuff, like really nice lenses that were quite compact. So I would love to see that.
2: The answer is we don't know. or OM system. We don't know why we haven't seen it. We're just guessing. That being
0: said, the OM five is actually still very small and beautiful. I actually think it's more beautiful than the Pen F personally.
1: And wow. I, I do think it's interesting that one of the last lenses with an Olympus badge on it ever produced was the 20 mil 1.4, which is a gorgeous lens, but mm-hmm. looks like it was specifically designed for a rangefinder style body that doesn't exist in North America. I mean, I'm sure people in Japan are loving popping that on their pen 11, whatever we're at now. I don't know. I'm not going
0: to review them because they're not over here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called the uh, OM System Pineapple Pen now or something like that over
2: there. I'm it's not, sure. not. It's not called that. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, uh,
2: my voice is almost gone. I'm going to have to go back to Sexy Chris now. Okay. Yeah, you got. Okay. You Everybody's can't help okay it. Sometimes you get so excited that you you push yourself. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we only got a few more questions here, and uh, these ones are mostly just some, some that I thought were interesting. These are on the YouTube comments. Compliments? Uh, some of them uh, from the last podcast, Flavor Hostage, which I think is perfect. Attached. 10 <laughs> out of 10. So good. I don't even know what it means, but I love it. Uh, if COVID there was a pokeball here, Jaron would be a Flavor oh. Hostage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, first thing he says is that YouTube thumbnails are weird. Agreed. Uh, we do what we have to to please the YouTube gods. Yes. Um, then he says, I'm watching because I like Jordan and Chris. Jaren is growing on me. I'm glad I'm nice. growing. I, I'm doing my best to 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 meet the standards of which that have been set by these two. Uh, he also adds, I'm in Portland where there's at least two camera stores, one within walking distance to me, though I'm too lazy to walk. Jaren needs to leave the house. Smiley face. He's not wrong. I really do need to leave the house more. But I do love You my should go basement. out with
0: Flavor Hostage.
2: Flavor. You and Flavor Hostage. You, can you take could meet be up buddies.
0: You,
1: you would keep
2: go going to the camera on store. Flavor
1: Hostage. It's a local. It'll be a great. Hit up both yeah. camera stores in a single day. Have a nice cup of coffee. I think it'd be a great yes. afternoon.
2: I'm wondering Get if the these world. camera stores are new cameras or if they're like... KEH style places where they've yeah. got old stuff and old film stuff. There's nothing wrong with that, but that was related to the discussion of new camera, new gear camera stores where you can go try out the latest yeah. stuff before you buy. I yeah. am um, I will go find out. I will leave my house. You guys should do that. That said, I did we'll just film leave my it. house for a week. And we'll I'm film it. tired. So maybe. In a world
0: <laughs> where the YouTube gods want weird thumbnails, Jaron and Flavor Hostage
2: went to a camera store. Is this this because you're like talking low and that's how you think you sound? This is what you get now. All right. Uh, John Drummond Photo says about our podcast that it was great, but the lighting was terrible in all caps. Correct. Directly into the sun? What were you guys thinking? One of
1: the questions was about hoods. So I made a deliberate choice to give you a visual demonstration of why things could look bad if light was (laughs) hitting the lens at an oblique (laughs) angle. What do you think,
2: Chris?
0: is what Jordan wants you all to believe.
2: The real, the truth of it is, was revealed in the first like 10 seconds of that podcast, yes. which is, we did not do a good job the first time, and that was round two, and we were very limited on places to shoot that had light at all, that was exactly. going to sit there and actually work for an hour and 15 minutes. So, Although, I think that it did have a nice aesthetic, actually, in some ways. I didn't I mean, hate it. Right? It can't always be... It, it can't, can't be this. Be you can't control the light. sun... In places you've never been before, when no. so I, what, what do you want? Do you want us together? People who They're, want us together?
1: next time we're going to have to drag out a giant light tent and okay. you know some cob lights and stuff, right. and we'll do a much better job of that in the future. We'll have hoods on both lenses. You're going to
2: love it. it uh, who knows when though, that will was, ever
1: happen? We'll the just go sit right back
2: We'll lenses. go get that uh, that Apple studio and we'll just bring that with us everywhere, along with the crew. that'll that'll uh, solve the problem There you go. All right two more questions one is on sigmas lens that you guys reviewed last week uh from archive asks thanks for the video i'm a 16 to 35 millimeter gm user how do you think of the difference between the the two is the 10 to 18 comparable no this this is a tough one because
0: (laughs) what what's so funny
2: jordan's like no next question
0: This is a tough one because, I mean, the 1635 G Master is obviously a full frame lens and a beautiful one at that. The Sigma 10 to 18 will only cover APS-C. So are they using the 1635 on an APS-C camera? I mean, in that case, the 10 to 18 will absolutely give you a dramatic difference as far as framing goes. But the Sigma 10 to 18, as cute as it is, there are a lot of optical compromises there. It is in no shape or form comparable to the 1635, even just in terms of its optical performance.
1: Yeah, it's, it, they designed it with the intention of making the smallest possible ultra-wide lens yes. that's still quite bright. Uh, there were bound to be some trade-offs for that. I mean, I, I still think it is a good lens that'll make a lot of people, especially video shooters, really happy. But uh, we even said in our 16-35 to GM2 review, like, look, the 16-35 GM is a damn good lens already. Uh, so this is the least necessary upgrade in their little lens trinity trinity trilogy quadrilogy um i don't know what i'm saying anymore i'm tired too i mean chris is sick but we've all had a week you're not getting a plus
2: it's true uh if you are you if you went if you're using an aps-c camera and you bought a 16 to 35 g master thinking you were getting 16 um that that's you spent a lot of money to get not 16 uh for aps-c cameras uh you should consider ones that are made for apsc to yeah. get that wide angle you're hoping for but the and, 1635 is a beautiful it's beautiful lens. I mean, yeah cards. beautiful lens. i'm it sure is, they are yeah. quite satisfied with the, and the new ones even controls. better but just by
0: a little bit so even if you have the first version that's a great lens
1: and this is why we keep harping on manufacturers like make native APS-C lenses canon especially is really bad for like yeah, just put our though. lovely full frame RF lenses on your crop. It's sensor only forty
2: five hundred dollars. You can afford exactly.
1: It. It's more expensive. It's bulkier than it needs to be, and it's probably going to be slower than it needs to be as well. So make native APS-C glass, everyone.
2: So one more similar question. Mm. Uh, this one is from Akira Hojo. How does that lens, the Sigma lens, compare to the Sony ten to twenty f four? Besides the pricing for landscape, right, astro, and video. So.
0: Akira Hojo the second. this is interesting because we haven't, we did test the 10 to 18, but not for Astro. And actually, that's a good question. I'd be curious to see what the coma is like. How does it handle the corners? Um, you know, when we're talking about like stars and bright specular highlights. So we were negligent. It was a beautiful, warm, sunny day. Uh, uh, make note though that we were next to the river and I also did not fish
1: that day. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, that extra stop of light on the signal will make a huge difference in uh, reducing the noise on that. I mean, that's the same difference as moving up to a full frame camera. Um, getting that extra stop of light, but yes, unfortunately we weren't able to test it for that. I do really like on the Sony, that's a power zoom, which for video can give you some really fun looks like a nice servo zoom push in during a shot. It's a really striking look now that we see so few, you know, like no one's using a camcorder anymore. So actually having like a, a slow controlled zoom is a really unique aesthetic Uh, That I really love. So that is a both are quite small
2: too. They're They're very small, very both compact. So
0: you know, and even though it's a power zoom, I actually remember enjoying using it. You know, it wasn't really like a detriment. I I didn't mind it; it was fine. You know, for for stills, and the ten to twenty is a nice landscape lens. And I would also go and say. I'm not saying the Sigma 10 to 18 is bad at 2.8. It's perfectly fine, but it definitely does like to be stopped down a bit for for optimum performance. So although you do have the option of shooting an extra stop of light, which is usable and useful more times than not, I would choose not to if I had the light. And then in which case I'm like, well, what am I really gaining? And the sun stars aren't pretty. I'm sorry. They're just not. not, They are not not that
2: far apart in price either. So you said other than price, but but the Sigma is 600 and the PZ is 650. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that actually is not- But the
0: 10-18, sorry, the Sigma 10-18, it, it doesn't uh, breathe very much. I mean, and the manual focus is fairly smooth. I mean, it's, it's it not a bad video lens.
1: Yeah, they're both good video lenses, which makes yeah. things even a little bit trickier. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm sorry, we didn't totally answer your, like once we get to like small, cheap and bright, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be trade-offs. You're just going to have to compare the two because they're going to have to make a compromise somewhere.
0: Assuming that it does do a good job in the corners with coma and stuff, uh, because I don't remember the 10 to 20 being particularly great for astrophotography, uh, then I would say the 2.8 would be beneficial.
2: Okay, well, this is a shorter episode than usual, I'm totally fine with that because Chris is hanging on by a thread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, we offered. To have him take this week off, and he said no. He was doing it. So this is how much yeah, he we're, cares we're about you guys. He wanted to be here you. for you, uh, and he, he loves He's you here. as
1: much as he loves Idaho. And regrets not as not much fishing. as fishing,
2: though, but <laughs> close. Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we'll be here next week as usual, and uh, hopefully, Chris will feel if better. If I survive, if Chris does not, in yeah, a world, yeah, in a world where Chris, survives, where Chris is alive, COVID, you will see another podcast shortly. Chris, why don't you send us off with your mute, with your movie voice? Uh, okay. Um, what happens at the end
0: of a movie? Do I sound like uh, uh, Archer? Do I sound like the guy who does Archer? No, not
1: even. Close. John H. Benjamin? Benjamin? Not at all. No, no. John H. Benjamin. Not <laughs> Maybe get okay. closer to the mic and you will. Phrases. No? Alright. Bye, Bye everybody. See ya. With not a bang, but a whimper. Phrasing. <laughs>